Hi, welcome to Project Healing, a podcast whose mission is to shed light on true self-care, healing our inner demons, and connecting the world in deeper and more meaningful ways. We all have a story to share, and we're very excited to be a part of helping everyone to share their own along the path of their healing journey. I'm your host, Katherine Galvin, psychic medium and intuitive healer, and with me, I have my co-host. I'm Jenna Korzynski, empathic psychic medium and intuitive soul coach. I believe that we have to feel our pain in order to heal it, and that community is a large part of that process. Speaking our truth and riding the waves of life is how we heal, and we welcome you to do the same. This is Project Healing. We'd like to do a quick shout out to our Patreons, Catherine Kendall, Manuela Cardenas, Rue, Katie Duvetter, Janet Adams, Chelsea Ayers, Katie Nicholson, and Samantha Sanguinetti. Thank you so much for your support. And if you are interested in joining our Patreon, we do have multiple tiers available, which include personalized readings, Reiki healing, and monthly group readings as well. So head on over to patreon.com and become a supporter of Project Healing so that we can connect on a more personal level. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to Project Healing. Today, it's just me, no Catherine today. and I'm missing my partner in crime, but I wanted to come on and talk about parenting through the pandemic. This is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, For those of you that don't know, I spent 18 years working in childcare. So before I had my own kiddos, I had many, many interactions with hundreds of children over the years, Um, and my background is in early education. So I was thinking about what I could contribute to the show um, that would be helpful, and this was the first thing that popped for me. So remember back in March when we thought we were just going to like shut down for a little while and uh, move through this whole COVID-19 thing? Yeah, that was a funny joke, right? (laughs) Nine months later, here we are. Let's be real. This pandemic has been difficult on everybody. Some of us have faced job loss changes in the way that our jobs look, changes in our income, changes in the way that education is structured, whether you are a student or a teacher, social changes, our interactions have been stripped away from us, family changes. We may not be able to reach out to those loved ones that previously were there to help us with our kids or even just gather together on a Sunday for a dinner. There's been fear, 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 fear everywhere. We are afraid of getting sick. We are afraid of losing a job. We are afraid of facing the fact that we may not be able to pay our bills. We are afraid of the education system and what that looks like for ourselves and for our children. We have fear around if we're able to teach our own kids, if schools are not open, 
We have fear around groceries and if our basic needs will be met, if we're going to go to the store and things are going to be sold out. So many things that we never had to think about before because we have the privilege of living in the United States are now right in front of our face. Now, even if this pandemic has not directly affected you, it has affected someone close to you. And when this happens, this sort of collective shift, we all feel that, okay? So maybe things have gotten better for you throughout the pandemic. And if you're one of those blessed souls, that's great. But it doesn't mean that you don't know someone that has been affected by this pandemic. It was recently reported by the CDC that one in four have struggled with suicidal thoughts since the pandemic began. One in four. So think about that. If you're a family of four, that means that one of you have been struggling with anxiety, depression, and potentially the thought of ending your life. That's really intense. Things have changed. And really, when I thought about that, I said, wow, wait a minute. That's just based on the the data that the CDC has. That's just based on the people that stepped forward and were brave enough to say, hey, I'm struggling. Those numbers don't include all of the people that are struggling in silence. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as a collective? Our stress levels are high. Depression is affecting many of us. Anxiety is knocking at our door. And that's just the adult perspective, right? So how is this whole thing affecting our kids? So as I stated previously, I spent 18 years working in the childcare industry. In March, all of a sudden we saw a huge change. Children were suddenly home with their parents Parents were working from home or not working at all because their place of employment had shut down. There was suddenly no more physical school. Everything was shifted to remote learning and children are now learning through a screen. There was lack of human interaction. There was no more recess for kids, no more weekend outings, no more visiting family. Suddenly, everyone's wearing masks to stay safe and protected. Children are no longer able to see our faces. We're no longer able to see each other's faces. And then we all have to adjust to just wearing masks. That's something new. How many times have you tried to go into a grocery store or a business and had to turn around because, oh, I forgot my mask? Our lives have changed dramatically in the past nine months. And for many of us, that shift occurred almost overnight. That means that things shifted for our children overnight as well. If we as adults are feeling fear, sadness, isolation, overwhelm, loss, anxiety, what do we think our kids are feeling? Now, working in the childcare industry, I know for a fact that people are so quick to say, well, kids are resilient. They bounce back so easily. And maybe they are. But that doesn't mean that these experiences are not affecting them 
just as much, if not more, than they're affecting us. So some early education facts for you. The first seven years of a child's life are the most formative years. This is when their brains are making all the connections that they will carry with them for the remainder of their life. They are learning about trust, love, they're forming opinions, they're figuring out how they learn best, they're figuring out social interactions, communication skills, and all of these connections are made based on their firsthand experiences. So how do we help our kids through it all? Well, it definitely starts with us. How do we feel? Pay attention to how you feel. How are you reacting to your experiences? What are you exposing your children to on a daily basis? Our children learn from all that we say, all that we do, And yes, they even pick up on those unspoken cues. They can read our body language and they can read our overall energy. Remember, for our woo-woo fans out there, our kids are much more closely connected to source than we are. They come into this world at a very high vibration and their personal experiences and the things that they go through and society teaches them and their home life teaches them is what brings their vibration down. Okay. So kids naturally want to be happy, loving beings, but when they are exposed to less than that, that's what they learn. And that's how those connections are made. So how do we know if our kids are going through it, so to speak? I think one of the easiest ways to tell is to look for behavioral patterns. Are there shifts in your child's personality? Was your child once very outgoing and outspoken and now maybe they're a little bit more withdrawn? Are you seeing mood swings? Are they having issues um, regulating emotions? Or are you seeing defiant or seemingly irrational behaviors that you've never seen before? I've experienced this firsthand. Um, My son is seven and he's been in childcare since he was six weeks old. Um, I worked there, so he was with me um, the entire time. I was not his teacher, but we were always in the same building. And then he went to school. And he loved school and he loved school so much because of his early education experience and the fact that he was always immersed in a classroom setting um, since a very young age. So that's what he came to know and love. When the pandemic hit, our district went full remote. Um, And as many of you probably experienced, it was kind of um, difficult for the teachers to navigate. You know, they had to all of a sudden turn their curriculum into um, online learning for their kids. And my son was in first grade at the time. First graders, they learn hands on. They want that physical experience, right? That personal experience within the classroom. Um, My son especially, he really thrives on that sort of experience 
um, encouragement, um, that one-on-one connection, even just that eye connection, um, eye-to-eye connection that happens that you can only experience in the classroom. So when we went remote, in the beginning, he was okay with it because he got to log in. They were doing Zoom classes. He got to see his friends and he was pumped. But after about the third session, he realized that it was not the same. He couldn't turn to his classmate next to him and wink, nod, smile, giggle. Um, there was no recess for them to play outdoors and have that personal connection. They didn't have lunchtime. They weren't going to the music room to create. They weren't going to the, the art studio to create these hands-on things. Were we trying to do all of that at home? Absolutely. But was the experience the same? Absolutely not. Because not only did I have him with me, but we also have his younger sister. And I also still had to work. So we were trying to kind of shove everything into these nooks and crannies of the day and make it all work. I was stressed. My husband was stressed. Um, My daughter was stressed because, of course, she wants to be a part of what her big brother is doing. And most often when he was on Zooms and stuff, she couldn't. And he started to realize that he wasn't having those personal interactions anymore. He wanted to tell his teacher things and he couldn't unmute himself. He wanted to speak with his classmates. And at the end of the class, everybody logs off. He was really missing that personal interaction and he became a shell of himself. He was resisting all learning. They had learning apps that he was supposed to use and we couldn't get him to log into those. Um, He would do it for a minute or two and then he'd be like, I'm done. I don't like this. We would try to sit with him and do it with him. It just wasn't the same experience for him. My son is a very hands-on learner, and he really needs um, he needs that positive guidance of someone telling him he's doing a great job and giving him those those cues, right? So we started to see his behavior shift. He started to become really, really defiant. Um, his mood swings were all over the place. One moment he'd be happy, silly, and then the next minute... Um, It was like he just couldn't control what was coming out of him. So luckily, I have this early education background um, and I realized, oh, my gosh, we have to make a change like this is not working for my son. So I had to message his teacher and say, listen, this whole online learning thing is not for him. I don't want you to think that my son is not learning. I still want to take the material that you're giving to me, but I need to make it more hands on for him. And that's just what we did. We basically adjusted his curriculum so that it fit our family's needs, but most importantly, so that it fit my son's needs. And we saw a change in him. We did. We saw a change. So it's important to remember that our kids may not know how to communicate their needs to us. He never said to me, you know, I don't like school the way it is now. I don't want to be with the rest of my first grade class anymore. I want to do this on my own. I want you to teach me differently. He didn't say that. I had to pick that up on my own. It was hard, but I wouldn't have picked that up if I wasn't paying attention to his actions and his reactions to what he was going through and what he was experiencing. So when our kids don't know how to communicate their needs, they act out instead. 
And of course, this can be difficult for us as parents, right? For all of us, especially when we are struggling ourselves, our instinct tells us to react and, you know, tell them that that behavior is not acceptable and to choose differently. But what we really need to realize is that when our kids are seeking love, seeking trust, seeking attention, that may result in negative behaviors coming out. They're still attention seeking somehow. They don't know how to process it. So they may react differently and less favorable behaviors. So at this point, you may be thinking, yeah, I've seen a lot of these behaviors in my child. And I know I talked about the first seven years of a child's life being the most formative, but When I'm speaking on this, I'm not just speaking on our little ones. I'm speaking about children of all ages. I'll repeat this statement because I think it's really important to drive home. When our kids don't know how to communicate with us, they show it to us through behaviors. Okay? So I want to give you guys some concrete things that you can do with your kids to help bridge the gap and to help fill in some of this darkness with love and light in your lives. And I feel um, all of these things on this list are things that I'm doing with my family. And I feel that not only is this helpful for our kids, but all of these things that I'm about to talk about are also helpful for us. So even if you're listening and you don't have children, you can utilize these same tactics to help balance your energy as well. So first things first, get outdoors as much as possible. We have been stuck in our homes. Some of us have not left for months. Some of us leave just for work. But most of us are not going out and going to other businesses and doing all of the extracurricular or recreational activities that we once did. So get outside Even if you're just taking a stroll through your neighborhood or even hanging out in the backyard and doing some gardening, it's winter here in New York, so we're not doing any gardening, but we're doing things like shoveling or sledding or things like that. (laughs) Those of you in the warmer states might be like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Us New Yorkers, though, we're just used to it. (laughs) Um, Get creative. Okay, so... Creative process art is an amazing way to channel emotions, okay? So gathering scraps from around your house, things that you have left over, or even grabbing some art supplies if you feel called to do so, and creating some sort of art. There does not have to be a method to the madness at all. We literally take craft supplies and we put it in the center of our table and my kids are able to create whatever it is that they want. Now, sometimes do they ask me for direction or sometimes do we have a guided activity? Absolutely. And we do that so that I can gauge where they're at as far as like following instructions go. I want to see where they're at. So the teacher and me, you know, will um, also plan things. But I find that our best experiences are when I allow them to do that process art and just allow them to create freely, no judgment, no guidance. 
I'm not hand over hand telling them, no, you can't glue that there. You can't put that there. You can't do glitter and googly eyes. I'm allowing them to just create how they want to create. You can also get creative through writing, writing poetry, journaling. My kids are three and seven, and they both already have their own journals. Does my three-year-old know how to write? Absolutely not. She can do a few letters here and there. But what she does is she sits there with her journal. She speaks out loud the things that she's quote-unquote writing, and she just scribbles in her journal. But that's a way for her to release. My seven-year-old, his journal's top secret. We're not allowed to read it, which we respect. Um, And he uses it when he's feeling overwhelmed. So when I see that behavior shift in him, sometimes that's the first thing that I say to him. Do you need to go write in your journal? And it's amazing how he calms down and he says, yes, I need to go in my room. I need to write in my journal. He'll go, he'll slam his door shut, and he'll (laughs) stay in there for a little while and he will just write. Creating anything is a great way to calm your mind, okay? So even if you're doing puzzles or um, grabbing an easel or chalk and um, creating art in that way, whatever you desire and your children desire, just go for it. Keeping arts and crafts supplies on hand is a must if you're a parent. (laughs) If you struggle with the mess aspect of things, then that may be something that you have to work through in this process. But I tell you, from firsthand experience, it is worth it to allow your kids to have fun and create that mess and get lost in their art for a little while. All right, next, make time for connecting. Uninterrupted connections, no phones, no electronics. So create a family fun night. We do family fun night every Friday where um, we play games together. Our kids might pick out a movie. They get to pick what we eat for dinner. We pick up little fun snacks. Um, if we are watching a movie, we turn all the lights out, we turn the stereo up. So it's like we're being in, we're in the movie theater, we grab our unhealthy snacks, um, and we just spend that quality time together. Implement mindfulness into your day. Now, this one is huge, especially because of what we're going through and how connected we are to electronics and devices right now. So, Taking a time out for yoga or simple stretches, meditation, breath work. There are so many resources out there available to us. So if you are one of those people that is saying, well, I don't know the first thing about mindfulness. I've never done yoga. How do I teach my kid how to do yoga? I don't know what I'm doing. Or how do I teach my kid how to meditate if I don't know what I'm doing? This is a great opportunity for you to learn together. Pop over to YouTube and type in yoga for kids or yoga for teenagers or uh, beginner meditations or breath work for beginners. And you will find a plethora of resources that you can use and utilize them together. Now, I want to stress together (laughs) in all of this because... It's not a do as I say, 
not as I do type of thing when it comes to this. You want to be engaging with your kids to help them feel better. We are leading by example and putting a video on and walking away and calling your neighbor or your sister to complain about the world's problems. That's not going to help create a good environment for mindfulness. Our children are always tuned in. They are always listening to what we have to say, whether we think they're paying attention or not. Allow yourself to take a break. So you may be working from home. Your child may be doing online learning from home. Make some breaks throughout the day. Schedule them if you need to. Get up, stretch, grab a snack, grab some water sing or dance it out if you need to shake off some of that kind of stagnant energy that we've all been feeling. And that leads me to music. Music is so healing for the soul. We constantly have music playing in our house. We have um, Amazon Alexa or our phones and we always have music on. We either I pick a station or the kids pick a station or we take turns selecting what songs we're listening to, but it's a great way to break up that negative energy, right? How could you be sad, uh, mad, frustrated if you've got Pharrell playing in the background singing, I'm happy. How could you? How could you be sad, right? So um, (laughs) when in doubt, dance it out, okay? (laughs) Um, allow the music to help heal your soul. And one thing that I've learned in all of my years working with kids, especially the little ones, is that music can break any mood. Okay. So, um, if I were ever to walk into a classroom, specifically toddlers, this always worked really great with toddlers. It worked with all age groups, but Toddlers were always, you know, toddlers are always the most difficult age group. I'm, I'm using my air quotes when I say difficult because they're just explorers, right? So sometimes it's hard to get them on the same page. You walk into a toddler classroom and you see what could be perceived as chaos, right? Kiddos are all over the place. And those of us that have a lot of kids at home, we understand this feeling. Um, and the best way to get them engaged is to just start singing, I have made up songs about everything, literally everything. I've made up songs about socks. I've made up songs about cleanup time. I've made up songs about eating food. I've made up songs about going to the bathroom, just about anything. You don't have to sing well to sing to children. You don't have to be a songwriter to make up your own song. But let me tell you, it will grab their attention and it will shift their energy almost instantly. And if nothing else, you're going to make them laugh, which brings me to my next point. Laughter. Laughter is such a healing energy for all of us. Laughter can soothe our pain. Laughter can break that feeling of being blocked from the outside world and being disconnected. When you share a laugh with someone You're sharing a piece of your heart with someone. So do that with your family. Do that with your kids. When you feel that there's too much tension or upset or negative energy, have a laugh. 
stay connected with your family. Utilize and your friends too. Utilize video chat, texting, email, or even snail mail and allow your kids to do the same. We don't we didn't just cut off communication for ourselves, so why should that be happening for our children? There are ways to allow them to communicate, and if they're young, there are ways to do that while monitoring them as well so that they can still stay in touch with their loved ones and they can still feel that connection to the outside world. Many of us have had to quarantine over the last nine months. That's hard. That's hard to be away from people for two weeks or longer at a time. But we have the blessing sometimes occurs, but we have the blessing of technology to keep us connected. And honestly, that's what it was created for. Has it branched off and caused other things for us? Absolutely. But the communication aspect of technology is really and truly a beautiful thing. So utilize that. If you can't see your loved ones, if you can't travel to see your loved ones, allow your kids to do a video chat with them. Or like I said, even send them some snail mail. They may not get it because of what's going on with their postal postal service, but that's fine. (laughs) It's the thought that counts. (laughs) All right. Daily check-ins with your family. What was your favorite part of the day? What was your worst part of the day? Pay attention to what your kids are bringing up. Pay attention to what lights them up and pay attention to what shuts them down. This is my favorite conversation to have. We always do this during our dinner time together. I ask my kids, what was your favorite part of the day? And I love hearing all the little things that they think of. This helps me find my gratitude. Hearing the little tiny things that my kids are grateful for helps me find my gratitude. Because things that I hadn't even thought of will come out of their tiny little mouths. And it blows me away every time. But also, sometimes I'm shocked to hear the things that they feel are the worst part of their day. And I will tell you what, nine times out of 10, the worst part of their day is when they felt some sort of disconnect. So pay attention to what our kids are telling us so that we can adjust and redirect our intentions. All right, physical touch. Physical touch is very important to children. Our kids need hugs. And that's one of the things that we lost through this pandemic, right? You see people that haven't seen each other in a long time. And what happens? We run up to each other and we go, can I hug you? Uh, Can I fist bump you? Are we doing a high five? What are we doing? We're questioning that. Imagine how that, if we feel that uncomfortable as adults, having those conversations and having to hesitate before hugging someone, imagine how our kids feel about it. But guess what? They can hug you and they can hug you as much as they want to. My rule of thumb for kids and hugs, you never let go first. If a child hugs you or you hug a child, maybe you initiate it, you allow them to be in control there. So if they don't want the hug, you don't force the hug on them. But if they want the hug, you do not let go until that child lets go of you. Because they need that connection. And some of them, it'll start as a hug and it'll end up with them on your lap. (laughs) 
If your kids are too big to wrangle a hug out of, you know, just sit near them. Be near them. Be close to them. We also have to remember to be honest about our emotions. Our kids will be more likely to share when we show them that it's okay to feel. To be raw in our emotions. Have I had some mental breakdowns since this whole pandemic started? Absolutely. Now, of course, some of this was done in silence, but not always. Sometimes my interactions with my kids were enough to cause me to cry. And not because they upset me necessarily, but because I've been upset about the situations and the changes. And I see their little faces and it takes an emotional toll on me. I don't run and hide to cry. I will cry in front of them. And when they ask me what's wrong, I'm honest with them and I explain it to them. Because we need to teach our children it's okay to feel. And then I follow this with teaching them positive coping strategies. So maybe it's not sadness that they're feeling. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you're seeing that your kids are being a little bit more physically aggressive toward each other, toward you, toward their belongings. Maybe they're breaking toys or breaking their personal belongings. This is because they have pent up emotions that they don't know how to release and this is how they're releasing it. So we teach them positive coping mechanisms. No, it's not okay to hit your brother. It's not okay to hit your mom. It is okay to punch this pillow. Here you go. Here's your angry pillow. You can scream into it and you can punch it all you want. Get regular exercise as a family. If you are noticing aggression in your children or even in yourself, that is a great indication that they need more physical activity. So physical activity is not everybody's favorite thing to do, and I'm fully aware of that. Um, So make it fun. Make it fun so that you can stay active. We um, love the game Just Dance. So we play that together as a family. That keeps us active. Um, There is an amazing um, kids site called Go Noodle where there are all these different dances to modern music that they made like the kids version of. You can utilize that. You can create obstacle courses within your home. Um, They've got to hop over a chair and run around the circle and go up and down the stairs There are so many ways that you can get creative with your physical fitness, and that will help your children channel their aggression. Remember that there will be times that you get overwhelmed and frustrated, and you may lash out. You may have behaviors that you are not proud of. But what's important is how you fix it. Apologize to your child if you lash out and explain that You're struggling with your own emotions as well. But please do not just leave things unsaid and go about acting like everything is fine. This is very confusing to children. And by doing that, you will teach them that same behavior. So it's important to make things right when you feel that you've done something wrong. And finally, it's important to understand that you have to go easy on yourself. Some days will be better than others. Some days will be terrible. You always have the next minute, hour, 
or day to readjust and choose a different approach. You are not alone through this. As parents, we are all struggling collectively and we need each other. So reach out to a loved one, a friend, or someone else that may understand your struggle and talk it out. Talk it out. You will find that you're not the only one that's feeling the way that you do. And maybe you guys can share good ideas with one another. I'd like to leave you guys with a quote. Um, and it's one of my favorite quotes about parenting. There is no such thing as being a perfect parent. So just be a real one. And I say this <laughs> as I was just interrupted by my three-year-old who just wanted some love and attention and is now sitting on my lap. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but she just gave me a beautiful kiss. And she told me that she wants to record the podcast too. And what did you want to say on the podcast, Eva? Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, D, H, I, T, um, uh, what's that? <laughs> J K L M N O P Q O S T V W X Y and Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? <laughs> Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next time on Project Healing. Thank you.